we're losing every major environmental battle on a global scale. And it is bankrupting us ecologically. It has to change or the change will come to us. The way we design our systems is broken. The Living Building Challenge is the world's most stringent green building program. The idea is to really push the design and building industry as far forward as possible and ask them how do we design buildings and infrastructure that is truly good for both the people and the planet. Flowers we like as a metaphor because wouldn't it be great if our buildings generated all their own energy from the sun like the flower does? Wouldn't it be great if they only used the amount of water that fell on their rooftops and immediate surrounding area? And if we could just be as smart as a flower, we'd be in so much better shape. We don't need models like we're seeing being built, which are basically building the Blade Runner community. In 30 years, they will be standing there like empty relics of an empire. This is not about utopia that we won't have any impact on the Earth. But what is going to be the net result of our communities? And that's what we're asking for with the Living Building Challenge. It starts with this question, what does good look like? There's always this initial reaction that it's going to cost three, four, five times the cost, and that's never proven to be the case. It really depends on what you choose to value. We don't realize that we're actually externalizing a lot of costs on society. If we actually weren't degrading the environment, weren't causing health problems for fellow citizens, we weren't actually hurting our economies by choosing cheap products made from thousands of miles away rather than creating jobs in our communities with local materials. If we really thought it through, then building living buildings is actually the smartest economic choice you can make. As I've worked on this building, all of the things that are happening with the eco-machine, the water reclamation part of this building, the microorganisms, fungi, and the plants, it really struck me that I am an integral part, but I am not the being that dominates nature in this, that I am a part of a living cycle. What we're doing is creating habitat for our species within a larger network of species that is life. And that's our mission. To think that we're designing things is a failure of our industry. The world's first living buildings are now built. This is just the start. The lighthouses, if you will, of where civilization needs to head. And hopefully someday this is merely how we build everything. Wow. Good morning. I'm really glad the video played first because after Paul finished, I couldn't talk for a few <laughs> minutes. So, wow, uh, I love that man. Um, thank you for coming. Um, what an honor, uh, first of all, to be introduced by Paul, who's uh, one of my heroes, and, and of course, to be helping to kick off this morning. Um, so thank you. Um, I think I have an obligation, though, to help get the crowd going. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. So. Um, Join me in sharing the energy of this beautiful, once-alive flower. 
And uh, if you're passionate about this idea of living buildings, can we shout that out, living buildings? Can we do that? All right. That's going to be on our next clip. <laughs> One more time, living buildings. Wow. This is definitely the place I needed to be this morning. So um, I'm really excited uh, to be here and uh, I want to share with you some things. Now, we all know the bad news, so I'm actually going to skip over the bad news and not brush it under the table, but we all can sit with the news that's out there, right? And now we need to talk about something very positive. And, and all of us that are working on this movement of living buildings are incredibly excited and, and passionate because we're seeing the opportunity to do something very, very different and I think very profound. And we launched this program uh, initially and people said, well, this is crazy, this is too hard, this isn't gonna go anywhere, you might get one building in 10 years that will do all these things. And we have around 5 million square feet of living building projects emerging in multiple countries now around the world. So, uh, on Earth Day uh, this year, um, we opened the Bullet Center in Seattle, which you're all invited to come see. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to Dennis Hayes, uh, who you probably know, um, who was behind this project. And you can see it here. And we have our, our institute uh, in the Bullet Center. Um, this project is, is one of our most important living building projects for a few reasons. Um, you can see the giant solar array or you can see at least underneath it there. But this is a project that is really changing the way people think about building in a few powerful ways. So in the least sunny city in the United States, it gets all of its energy on an annual basis from photovoltaics. This is a six-story Class A office building that has to get normal market rental rates and it is a speculative project. This is not a vanity project where we threw tons of money at it. This is a project that has to pencil, and it is. This building has composting toilets on all six floors and no need for a sewer connection. A hundred percent of the water in the building is captured from rainfall, purified in the building and used, and so we don't have to pipe in water from miles and miles away. We then process the water inside the building. There's a wetland on one of the roofs, and that goes into then swales in the project. And there is no downstream sewer and stormwater impacts because of this building. And this is in the heart of the city, right? And this building, while it is a very modern building in terms of its architecture and design, is actually operating like a living thing. It's naturally ventilated. The windows are responding actively to the, to the temperatures outside and inside. The shading deploys. The lighting goes down and up depending upon the conditions. It's incredible. And this building, just so you know, uses about 80% less energy to begin with than the average office building. So the average building of this size would use about as much energy as a small subdivision, about 30 homes. This building uses the amount of energy of about six to seven homes to begin with. And again, all of it is powered by the sun. So it is really remarkable. And this is just one of the many projects that we 
uh, are doing uh, around the world now, which are really changing perceptions. I can tell you that people are very curious to use the composting toilets on the sixth floor. <laughs> and, uh, and it's very cool. And of course, people, uh, people are always scratching heads. Really, in Seattle? Isn't it kind of cloudy in Seattle? And as it turns out, it is kind of cloudy. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have incredible technology uh, in play. And this is the very beautiful roof um, that also helps to keep rain off of the sidewalk uh, of, of people when they're walking by. Um, here's the skyline. Now, here's the thing. When people say solar is not ready, you can now point to something and say, really? Now, this graphic is kind of interesting because if you didn't start with efficiency, you would, you would in fact need a solar array that would cover several neighborhoods almost in order to power the building. But we made this building so efficient and so elegant that in the end we needed only the area of the roof, right? Which is the, kind of the whole point of the Living Building Challenge to say, instead of just designing whatever we want, and then having impacts downstream and upstream, we need to understand the notion of limits and carrying capacity and work within what we have. So we start by figuring out how much energy we can generate cleanly, and that's our energy budget. We start with how much water we can capture, and that is our water budget. So we work backwards. So if you're in the desert, you have to think like a cactus, right? And here in, the, in the, you know, the Northwest, you think very differently, like a Douglas fir. And we wanted the impact of this building to be like a Douglas fir forest. So we're very excited about this. And when we launched this, I've never seen an example when the opening of an office building, <laughs> this is not like a museum, we had lines around the corner all day long of people wanting to get in and look at composting toilets and look at these materials. Now, just so you know, the other thing, I mean, there's so many things that's remarkable about this and all the, all the challenge projects. We scrubbed the entire specification set of redless chemicals, and that's one of the requirements of the Living Building Challenge. We had to get out anything that could give you cancer. We are not interested in buildings that are less likely to give you cancer or, or make you sick. We are interested in buildings that can't. <laughs> There's some, this is actually the first heavy timber behind that, the, you know, the metal actually when you go inside, it's beautiful wood everywhere. Um, all of the wood is FSC. 100% of it, there isn't a drop that isn't even the formworks and the, and the, the shims behind cabinets. It's all FSC, uh, beautiful stair. Um, it's the first heavy timber building in the city of Seattle in like 60 years. So we brought back more jobs for supporting local forestry that's responsible. And at the end, you know, when you look up the staircase, we call the irresistible stair, it's absolutely beautiful. Now, to me, this is the start of a quiet revolution. Now, when you think about our cities, and this is obviously perhaps our most iconic city, we, we often think about these big buildings, but we don't recognize that most of our buildings aren't like the Empire State Building. In fact, the Bullet Center is larger than about 90% of the buildings in the United States. And we've just proven in the least sunny city in the United States that we can do a completely non-fossil fuel dependent building. Just think about what that represents that doesn't need a sewer connection, that is free of redless chemicals. 
This is a revolution. And if you think about something like the Empire State Building, in the past, there was this real pride that we could build such grand sort of structures that were tributes to our, our, our engineering and our, our imagination. But now we need to be thinking very different. We need to move from Homo sapien to Homo regenesis as a species, right? We need to go away from the idea of always being big to something that in fact has a light touch and is elegant like this flower. So we have living buildings now, as I mentioned, in a lot of different places. This is in Canada, Canada this beautiful building here, which was literally designed uh, to look like a flower as rammed earth in the base of the project. It's very cool, a green roof. This is a project in, in Pittsburgh that just opened, tied to a botanical center, uh, the Phipps Conservatory. It's another uh, office project. We have everything you could imagine. Uh, some of you may know this building. Uh, this is the, at the Omega Center, and this is a sewage treatment plant, right? the most beautiful sewage treatment plant you've ever seen. And it's completely powered by the sun, there's no chemicals again. Um, it's pioneering a different way of thinking about infrastructure. And we believe that every single act of design and construction should be beautiful, should have multiple uses. This is in upstate New York, someone just asked, in Rhinebeck. And we think that every, even the lowliest of, of structures, like a, a sewage treatment plant, should have a positive impact culturally, socially, and environmentally. We have schools, we have daycares. This is an incredible daycare you saw in the video. Uh, also, this one is in, in Vancouver. We learned lots of interesting things, like when this team was, was looking for playground equipment, they couldn't find playground equipment that was standard, that didn't have redless chemicals in it. It was crazy. We put our children in harm's way on the things they play with. So they had to make custom, safer equipment, right? And again, beautiful. And this particular project was built for no cost premium over a typical lead gold project and will never have an energy bill or water bill again. <laughs> we're using these principles now to inform whole community design. Around that daycare now, we're looking with this developer and the university that it's associated with, Simon Fraser, at how we might begin to think about this at scale. And when you start to think about it at the neighborhood and community scale, these principles, it in fact gets very, very interesting and the economics change. It isn't just confined to North America. This is a project in Australia that just opened. We have an urban agriculture component of the program. They just harvested their first fruit in the building there last month. We're pretty exciting. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we have projects emerging in Mexico, in, in New Zealand, in Australia, in Europe, Canada, and many other places. Um, this is another one in Australia. We have a lot of Australian interest, as it turns out. Uh, another university. This is a climate change research center. You'll see that all these buildings are, are different in terms of their aesthetic expression. Some of them are very organic. Some of them are very modern, um, and everything in between. As what we're not talking about here is is, is some sort of aesthetic overlay. This is about deep-rooted change in terms of how things behave and how things operate, just like we have many different types of trees and plants and flowers with different expressions that are relevant to the climate and to the culture of the place and to the people that are involved, and that's how it should be. We don't need prescriptive solutions for, for building where we're telling people how to think. We need to tell them again how to feel and to listen to what's there and have that expression then mirror in the architecture uh, of the place. 
This is a project I'm really excited about, and I, uh, I, I don't have the latest photo, but this is a, one of the design drawings by the team. This is the new tribal parliament for the Tuhoi people the, uh, from, from uh, New Zealand, the Maori. Very excited about this project. And when they were getting ready to build their new tribal parliament, they decided that the only thing that was right to do was to do a living building. Very excited about that. The whole point of this, of course, is not actually about buildings. It's about us, right? It's about how we view the world and our place in it and realizing that our habitat matters. We're shining a light on a whole bunch of issues, and I want to invite all of you to participate in the work of the Living Future Institute because we really need your help. We do a lot of crazy stuff. Sometimes we're called troublemakers, but I, I think it's... <laughs> I know I'm on a lot of lists of <laughs> people who are watching what we're doing. Um, this, for example, is a, pr a program called Declare. And just like we have a right to know what's in the food we buy, we have a right to know what's in the things we surround ourselves with. And this is a nutrition label. And we are pushing this hard in the industry. And not that long ago, yeah, it's pretty cool. Not that long ago, a little company named Google adopted our red list, and now they're only buying things for their projects that meet the red list, which was huge. So you can check out Declare and encourage your material suppliers to get Declare rated, like this company uh, that is now doing it. It's an act of leadership to show what you make your products with. And we have a responsibility to do so. But you, you can imagine the resistance, right? People don't want you to know what's in their products. And often they don't know themselves. And as I mentioned, this is not just about buildings and inanimate objects. This is really about us. And the green building movement for too long has paid only lip service to how the decisions we make affect the lives of people, especially those we can't see upstream and downstream of our impacts. When as designers or engineers or builders, we build something or design something, we don't see the, the impacts to, to people that live near the factories. We don't see the impacts of the workers that make the products. And certainly at the end of the life of the building, we don't see what happens in the communities where our waste is disposed. And so we are beginning to really shine a light on these issues as well. The Living Building Challenge is the only green building program that has a major equity component and has a beauty component. And we have just launched a little program called Just that I would encourage all of you to use, which is a similar paradigm to Declare, which says, look, it matters how you treat your people. And we need to be transparent so that if we're going to support organizations with our dollars in terms of the goods and services they provide, we want to know whether they discriminate, whether there is gender equity, racial equity in the organization. And we want to be able to make informed, transparent decisions, and that's what JUST is that we've just launched. So if you have employees, you can have a JUST label. All of this and more uh, are part of the, the sort of rabble-rousing that we do at the Institute. Again, you're all encouraged to help us. Uh, I know there's a few troublemakers here, I've detected. Um, and uh, in, true to, to Buckminster Fuller, um, we try to think like a trim tab. Uh, this is our ma magazine that goes out. It's free, it's electronic, um, 
and uh, it's beautiful, and it showcases a lot of these ideas and projects, so please uh, get TrimTab um, and come to our events. I think um, after you finish Bioneers, come to Living Future in the next year, which is where we gather all the living building people in one place to talk about how we push this further. I love this photo. <laughs> He's watching us. <laughs> and and uh, wasn't that flower that moved really cool in the beginning? Yeah. I want to thank Blacklight uh, Films for that, that clip. Um, in the end, you know, we're the lucky people, right? We are so blessed to have this incredible place that is our home. And we are not separate, of course. You guys know this better than just about anyone. We are not separate. Our built environment is part of the natural environment. It's, it is the environment. And we need to think very, very differently about how we do every single thing we do around our homes and our offices, our schools, our, our factories. And it's all possible. We're proving it. And this is something that, that Bucky would often say, is you, you don't inspire people through guilt and shame. You know, in essence, you throw a better party. You build a better building. You design a better system that makes that which you hope to change obsolete. And that's what we're trying to do with the Living Building Challenge and the Living Future Institute, is show a different path. To show buildings that are based not on a vision of scarcity, but on a vision of abundance that we can live within the care and capacity of the planet in an abundant, beautiful, joyous way. And uh, again, um, I want to thank all of you for uh, everything that you do uh, out here. So take care, everyone. Thank you. Yeah.